Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. Let's. <laughs> um, so to reset y'all a little bit, uh, our religious backgrounds, I grew up Christian. I was very involved in my church, um, including teaching Sunday school to kids when I was a teenager all throughout high school. And I am now an atheist. And I was raised without a lot of religion. I was raised like a little Jewish, um, like a little Jewish boy <laughs> without a lot of religion. <laughs> uh, we are dating just, uh, you know, if you're wondering. <laughs> um, and I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible, which is focused on um, like claiming that everything literally happened in the Bible. And I'm reading the Oxford NRSV New Revised Standard Version, which is more of an ecumenical study text. Oh, my. Um, and we also just wanted to say up front that there's some explicit material in this episode, thanks to the content of the Bible. Thanks to Mr. Bible Man himself. And so that may not be appropriate for all listeners, definitely not for kids. So what book of the Bible are we talking about this week? We are talking about Leviticus, the third book of the Bible and of the Torah. Leviticus. Leviticus. Mm -hmm. um, it's so-called because it's about the Levites, the descendants of Levi, which again, I think is a weird choice. <laughs> um, if you go back to the 12 tribes of Israel, which mm -hmm. are the 12 sons of uh, Jacob, Levi was disowned on his father's deathbed because of his violent tendencies. Right. Um, so I am surprised to learn that that's the lineage that we're going to be following. For a little while. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just have to make the best of it, I suppose. The I same suppose. way they did. Which was uh, not very well. <laughs> so Leviticus is just like the English name, right? What's the Hebrew name? I actually don't remember. Ooh. Hang on. Yo. How could you do this to me? Since we don't know the Hebrew name, do you want me to run down some Leviticus facts for you? Uh, sure. Yeah, these are from the intro in my Bible. Excellent. So the events in this book occur over one month, about one month. Oh, wow. And all of the writing in here is older than 7th century BC, most likely. Well, according to my Bible, it's written down by Moses, well, as is every book in the Torah. <laughs> got it. Of course. I love this little note from the intro in my Bible. It says, quote, Leviticus is difficult to understand and appreciate. <laughs> and it is. Uh, there is very little plot. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we could go over the entire plot of this book in probably like one minute. Um, basically, only two things happen. Right. The first one is that Aaron, so you may remember Aaron from the last book, was Moses's brother. Mm -hmm. um, and he did a lot of the speaking for Moses uh, to like Pharaoh because Moses was not very eloquent. Right. And so Aaron and his sons are anointed as like the priest class. And uh, his two oldest sons are in the tabernacle that we discussed in the last episode. Mm -hmm. They're following all the rituals about how to build things and how to sacrifice things. The tabernacle is now like open for business, right? Yeah. Yeah. They like anointed it. They did the whole routine. All the acacia tent rods and the dugong skins. <laughs> and uh, but the two oldest sons of Aaron light their incense wrong and God immediately burns them to death. Right. Instead of the holy fire coming out and grabbing and burning the offerings that they had made in the correct fashion, these two chuckle fucks <laughs> wander up. 
and throw out some unauthorized incense. And and the, like I said, the fire, instead of grabbing the correct offerings, goes out and snatches these two kids and burns them right up. Burns them right up. And Aaron and the surviving sons are not allowed to mourn or God will kill them too. They can't touch them either. Um, my Bible, the scholarly notes say that this at first seems harsh. <laughs> but if you think about it, God is inaugurating a new era and, quote, the community had to be made aware. <laughs> How else were they going to learn? How else were they going to learn? Child death. The great educator. Um, and then also the surviving sons, the two younger sons, um, almost get killed because they eat some food in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Aaron gets them spared on a technicality, which is like, oh, they thought they were giving a guilt offering, but they were actually giving a sin offering or something like that. Something like that. Um, the other plot point, do you want to? Yeah, sure. So there's one other plot point besides the horrible child death thing. And um, it's another, it's horrible adult death. <laughs> true. A half Egyptian, half Israelite takes the name of God in vain. and During a fight. During a fight. And then everybody asks Moses what to do with him since he profaned and committed a sin. And Moses says, stone him to death. And they take him outside of the camp and stone him to death. Right. And in that little speech that Moses gives, he's like, you know, just because he's an alien doesn't mean he's not above God's laws. It's like to clear up, I think, some confusion about if he grew up worshiping another God, can he actually profane the Israelite God in the right way to like get the same punishment that's already been legislated on? And the answer, the answer is yes. It's a resounding yes. Yep. Stone him up. Um, so that's it. That's all that happens. Um, in Leviticus, and the rest of it is laws, and they're very specific laws. Um, they remind me of OCD rituals, mm -hmm. um, where like you have to do something, or the consequences will be insanely dire. Yeah, also like OCD rituals, a lot of it is about getting clean, mm -hmm. and about if you don't do things in the right way, you're unclean. I have OCD, and. You know how I feel about certain certain objects are clean and certain objects are unclean. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm not germaphobic, I, but I have very strong opinions about which objects are clean and which are unclean, um, which may have been influenced by being raised Christian. I don't know. Hmm, maybe we'll get to the bottom of it by the end of this episode. So the first laws that it talks about are basically how to give um, certain different types of offerings like um, for if you've sinned or if you're unclean or just like as thanks um and there's really specific rules on those i like that um there you know they're all things that you like burn right to sacrifice to god and my bible uses the phrasing uh an aroma pleasing to the lord of course mine mine uses that as well which sounds to me like a coffee commercial <laughs> it's like the best part only, of waking up only Folgers is, has an aroma that's pleasing to the Lord, and it's a a dove with its head twisted off and its wings not completely severed. <laughs> that's right. It's a man in a in a blinged out purple robe pouring a pouring the blood of a dove body into a yeah. into a into a cup into a bronze pot. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot about like cutting the fat off of certain organs, and right? The you, fat. All fat is the Lord's, as the Bible says. Yeah. So the biblical diet is basically no fat, no blood. But I guess the priests end up eating the fat because the priests eat a lot no, of No, 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 no. The priests burn at the fat. Oh, the burn. Okay. They burn at the fat. They burn at the fat. But then the priests uh, eat everything 
that's like left over. Yeah. So in among these rules for gifting, there are like, it establishes a hierarchy of which animal is better. Like a pure hierarchy of which animal is, gets you more God points, right? So it's like bull is the best Mm -hmm. and then there's sheep and pigeons at the bottom. It's kind of a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of pay what you can. Yeah. So if you're poor, then you can just sacrifice a pigeon. But if you're rich, then you have to sacrifice a bull. Right. If the crime accounts for that. Right. If 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 you've committed a certain type of crime, et cetera, et cetera. Besides killing animals and stuff and bleeding them out, burning the fat, and then giving the meat to the priests, you can also sacrifice food. Well, that's food, I guess. Potential food. But you can also sacrifice bread food. Yes. As it's called. In my mind and nowhere else. (laughs) It has to be unleavened. Mm -hmm. No yeasty beasties for God. (laughs) Um, you can choose whether or not to put oil on it. If you can afford it, you should definitely put a little dab of oil on it. Yeah, that they baby. like that that uh, super pure olive oil. Mm-hmm. It's really big among the Israelites. EVOO. In a guilt offering, there is an altar fire that never goes out. Right. Um, I had a little moment there where I wondered if that was where Morrissey got the inspiration <laughs> for the song. There's a light that never goes out, but I don't think that Morrissey would be down with the uh, slaughtering of multiple animals per sin and splashing their blood all over the altar and like basically finger painting with their blood like Mm -hmm. on your body or on the priest's body. I mean, I can't speak for Maz, but I do know that he would be disgusted with us even mentioning his name in the context of this stuff. (laughs) Although I kind of feel like he maybe has like a little secret fetish for this. Because when I saw him live, he played a lot of videos of animals being slaughtered. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like he may be more intrigued with it than he admits. You think the Maz may protest too much? He may. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I wanted to talk about in this offering stuff is... It basically seems to me that it's in the priest's best interest to have a really disobedient and sinful flock. I guess that's true because then they get to eat like hella nice sacrifices. Right. They get to eat certain parts of the sacrifices. And if they're getting like these prime, like firstborn, <laughs> flawless <laughs> male lambs all the time. Yep. I mean, they're going to be like, you know, that was a sin. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you double park. Give me that lamb. Right. Just as a guess, who do you think wrote this section of the Bible? Uh, Moses and only Moses. In fact, my Bible takes special pains to say that even though some people think it was the priestly class that wrote this, <laughs> it was definitely Moses. Okay. I mean, even if it was Moses, that's all his family and stuff that's getting taken care of. Then we get to the food laws, which are the basis of kosher eating. Um, these are very strict. They're not just pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Um, although... I would like to say that a woman in my jazzercise class that I used to go to, because I live my life in the 80s. Because she's 90 years old. She was like 50 years old, and she once got really offended that somebody referred to the Old Testament as the Jewish Bible, because she's a Christian, but she still believes in the Old Testament, therefore it's not Jewish. And I said, well, you believe in it, but you don't like eat kosher and stuff. And she said, actually, many of the foods that I eat are kosher. Mm -hmm. If she were... Then she she spun 360 degrees and moonwalked out of the building. If she were to be subjected to these kosher laws, she would be like stoned to death like eight times. (laughs) But so here's here's what kosher law entails in terms of food. You can eat anything with A 
a cloven hoof mm-hmm. that B chews cud. Correct. If it's just one of those, can't eat it. No dice. Therefore, you cannot eat camels, pigs, or rabbits. I didn't know about rabbits. Hares, it says. Mine has hair. Mine actually, mine has conies and rabbits. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe one of those is a rock hyrax because those live in Israel, but I don't know. Speaking of rock things, mine also prohibits rock badger. It does? Yes. Oh, I don't think I saw that in mine. Yeah, I thought it I thought it was a rock. Um, You can eat. But it was a rock badger. It was solid as a rock. <laughs> wow. You got the wrong lyric <laughs> reference out of that. <laughs> you can eat. Anything from the water with fins and scales. Right. So mermaids are okay. Mermaids are fine, but no, like, shellfish, lobster, mm-hmm. I guess no sea urchins or anything like that. But I guess dugongs are okay. Otherwise, how would you have the skin? I guess they have fins. They don't have scales. That's true. They don't have scales. Who can say? Who can say? Maybe it's like... Should we get on the dial rabbi hotline? <laughs> Maybe it's like how in Brazil, capybara counts as a fish, so you can eat it on, <laughs> on Fridays. Fridays. Yeah. Because it spends a lot of time in the water. Yeah. Although it's clearly a giant rat or mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, several birds are prohibited. Yeah. I want to read the list of birds, actually. Okay. So here's the birds you can't eat. These you shall regard as detestable among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. an abomination. Abomination. <laughs> the eagle, the vulture, the osprey, the buzzard, the kite of any kind. Every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the water hen, the desert owl, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. Bats are birds. Bats are birds. Don't eat them. Actually, I mean, not eating bats is a really good piece of advice because they have rabies a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying is I actually haven't said that yet. But in my head, I was already saying it. I don't believe you. Some of these rules have got to be good for you. I mean, yeah, I would not want like in terms of what birds that I would want to eat, Mm -hmm. an eagle would be a lot more dangerous for me to like hunt and subdue than, say, a quail or a pigeon. Mm -hmm. And like you said, bats have rabies. Yeah. They also don't look that great, but (laughs) I've never roasted them up and munched on a little wang or two. (laughs) They are terrifying to behold. Mm -hmm. Something I thought was interesting. So you can't have like pigs or shellfish, Mm -hmm. but you can eat uh, several kinds of insects. True. Crickets are cool. Locusts. Have you ever had crickets? No. I have. I'm a vegetarian. Well, vegetarians have eaten lots of things. Locusts, katydids. I'll just let that stand. (laughs) I have not even eaten like pig. (laughs) Usually not called pig. So your story checks out. Locusts, katydids. Crickets and grasshoppers are okay to eat, but the rest of insects that have four legs and wings, you're not supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that they could not correctly count insect legs in the past. That's true. I guess that would mean that pretty much any Yeah, any insect insect is is fine. They all have six legs, unless they're like injured. Don't eat any injured grasshoppers. Any grasshoppers with open wounds. No uh, weasels, rats, or lizards, or geckos. Mine also includes the phrase, great lizards, according to its kind. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, you know the ones. <laughs> you, you know. You know what I'm talking about. That could be like Komodo dragons or something. Well, yeah. That's, that's obvious. They're dangerous. You terrifying You definitely beasts. could not eat a Komodo dragon because right. it would eat you. 
You're also not supposed to eat land crocodiles. Land crocodiles? Mm -hmm. What are those? I mean, I think it's all there in the name. I've never, I've never heard of such a beast. Well, it's possible that they were hunted out, hunted to extinction by, obviously by by non non Jews. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, let's see. Leviticus twelve is mainly about how women are unclean. Right, they're exactly twice as impure as men. Yes. If you give birth to a boy baby, you're unclean for 40 days. Mm -hmm. A girl baby, 80 days. Yep. That's just science. My Bible actually has a footnote that it's like, it's unclear why girl babies are like take twice as long. It's like, really? Is it unclear? I think it's pretty clear. (laughs) Then we get into a section that's basically a diagnostic guide for priests on identifying infectious skin diseases. Yes. Dermatology was a big area of study for the ancient Israelites. <laughs> and someone who we know who is also studying medicine is my sister, who is in medical school at Tulane. So we were confused by this section, and we decided to give her a call on Saturday night. And see if she could clear things up for us, much like these priests are supposed to clear up a skin rash. <laughs> and did she? Let's find out. Hi, Christina. Thank you for joining us on our segment, Dr. Sister, Sister Doctor. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, Do you want to just give us um, a really quick summary of your religious background, even though it's the same as mine? Sure. Um, I was raised Christian, particularly Presbyterian. Presbo. Yep. And how do you know? How do you know Lauren again? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're sisters. Yeah. Raised in the same household. No big Mm -hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to test just how Christian you are. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so these are all these are all regulations from the book of Leviticus mm-hmm. that have to do with infectious skin diseases. Okay. So we're going to give you the symptoms, and then you're going to give us what you as a medical student, not a doctor, but a medical student, mm-hmm. um, think about what the diagnosis might be and the treatment. And then we're going to tell you what the Bible actually says. Okay. Yeah, this will be the the litmus test to find out if you're a good Christian, basically. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, does it is it also a litmus test about how good of a like medical student I am? Or we're not qualified to judge you on your medical student status, but we are qualified to judge you on your biblical purity. And we gained that qualification from like reading a couple of books of the Bible. <laughs> so <laughs> all the way through. All right. I'm gonna give you the first the first set of symptoms. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So these symptoms are the patient has a white sore on the skin, but it doesn't appear to be more than skin deep. What would your diagnosis and treatment be? Okay, well, that's Starting off pretty broad, but like a superficial white skin lesion is probably some kind of like superficial infection. So I would say maybe a fungal infection or um, like a hair follicle infection that had become purulent. So like, you know, draining pus so it's white. And so how would you treat it? Those So those would both be treated, well, one with antifungals and one with antibiotics. All right, so the correct diagnosis is, quote, just a rash. (laughs) And the correct treatment 
is to put the patient in isolation for one to two weeks. <laughs> and if the rash doesn't spread, then he's clean and must wash his clothes. Well, you know, washing the clothes is probably good if there's like fungus or, you know, bacterial. I'm afraid it's actually just a rash. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, you're all o- right. so you're 0 for 1, so you're really going to need to improve. Okay. Um, here's, the next, here's the next set of symptoms. The patient has a sore on their head or chin. It's more than skin deep, and the hair in the sore is yellow and thin. So if it's like a like a really deep skin infection, you could think of either it's either like an infection, like we talked about before, some kind of like purulent folliculitis, or really the only things that like really change the quality of your hair is something more systemic like hypothyroidism. And what would you do? Hypothyroid, you would treat by replacing the thyroid hormones. So like levothyroxine or something along those lines, or just like treating the infection that's like some type of topical antibiotic. Yeah. You know, I'd love to give you points for that, (laughs) but unfortunately the correct answer is that you have to shave the patient except for the diseased area. Mm, um, Wait, 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 what's the diagnosis? The diagnosis is it's an itch. An itch. Mm -hmm. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you got to shave the patient except for the diseased area, put the patient in isolation for one to two weeks, and if it doesn't spread, the patient is clean and must wash his or her clothes. It actually just says his because the Bible doesn't care about women. Ah, fair enough. All right. Are you ready for the next one? I mean, yeah. A man has lost his hair and is bald. (laughs) How old is the man? He's pretty old. Okay. Between 40 and 140 years. (laughs) Okay, well, so so alopecia is what we call the loss of hair, and it seems like it could be like a hormonal loss of hair that happens, like male pattern baldness, um, and there's really no cure for that. Correct. Yeah. He's just went bald. That's the diagnosis. He's clean. Don't yeah. need any treatment. Yep. It just happens, dudes. Sorry. <laughs> One out of three, the rally has started. <laughs> Can Christina clutch it? We'll find out. Right after this. No, I'm messing around. Um, (laughs) Next set of symptoms. A man has a reddish-white sore on his bald head or forehead. Okay, well, like, did the sore, did that, like, make him go bald? I think that's what's implied. Okay. Okay. Well, that could be something like like a psoriasis, or it could be, like, if he's already bald, it could be, like, an actinic keratosis, which is kind of like a little pre-malignant disease of sun exposure. So if he's bald on the top of the head, you know, you get a Mm -hmm. lot of sun there. For either of those, well, for psoriasis, you would kind of treat with steroids or UV light. Or if it's an actinic keratosis, you would, uh, you know, kind of want to like resect it. Or in modern days, you would treat it with like topical anti-cancer agents like 5-fluorouracil. Yeah, that sounds great and everything, <laughs> uh-huh. but the actual diagnosis is, of course, an infectious skin disease, um, and the treatment is that the patient must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, live outside the camp, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Mm. You know, I can see how maybe the verbalization <laughs> of his shame could really just, like, just 
move upwards. Are you are you ready to push for that kind of implementation in your medical school program? Uh, you know, I'm close to it now after this <laughs> after this talk. So we have one last set of symptoms for you. The patient has a boil which heals, but where the boil was, there is now a white or reddish white swelling spot which seems to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has turned white. How would you diagnose this? So again, it's a little confusing for me to deal with hair that is like changing drastically in consistency or color. But like non-healing ulcers, things that remain swollen and ulcerated, over time that can be something that we call a margillin ulcer. But it could even be something like um, herpes. Um, it could be eczema, psoriasis. So, like, eczema and psoriasis would mostly be treated with topical steroids. Herpes with antivirals. And the margillin ulcer would have to be, like, resected surgically to get all that cancerous cells out of there. But if I'm going for points now, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's um, maybe you treat it. Well, what's the diagnosis? Uh, okay, diagnosis as a hair change. And um, treatment as isolate and wash clothes. All right. Uh, The correct diagnosis is infectious skin disease. Ah. Correct treatment is kill a bird over fresh water in a clay pot, then take another bird that's still alive and dip it together with cedarwood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop into the blood of the dead bird and sprinkle that over the patient seven times. Then have the patient wash his clothes and shave off all his hair, including his eyebrows. Then have the patient bring two male lambs and one ewe lamb, along with some flour and olive oil, to the priest, who will burn them as a sacrifice to God, making sure that some of the lamb's blood goes on his earlobe, his right earlobe, his right thumb, and his right big toe. And then he'll put some of the olive oil on top of the blood, obviously, and also anoint the patient's head with the olive oil. And uh, if the patient is too poor to sacrifice three lambs, he can substitute doves or pigeons for two of the lambs. And uh, this all takes place over several weeks. But you were really close. You know, th- and that was my second guess. <laughs> really, like, like it was either just like, just wash the clothes and isolate kind of conservative treatment. But, sure. but all of that, that was, that was my next guess. I also have one last question for you. Sure, bring it. Did they teach you at your liberal medical school how long a woman is ritually unclean for after she gives birth? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they didn't ever well, use those it's... words, but um, the recovery time after birth. Nope. Nope. Um, nope. No, all right. We're talking about ritually unclean, and mm. it's 40 days for a male baby, 80 days for a female baby. Oh, twice as long. Yep. If your baby's a female, what a disappointment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like you probably need to do some studying. Um, yeah. You know, we appreciate your time as a as a quasi professional medical person, and <laughs> and you know, I hope you get right with the Lord before yeah. the, your time comes. It's, thank you. you know, it's, thank you. It's going to be a long road. It seems like it, it does re- seem that way. Yes. Yeah. But we really appreciate you joining us here. Thank you, Christina. This has been Doctor Sister Sister Doctor. Yay! All right. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Welcome back to the Sunday School Dropouts podcast. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we're talking Leviticus here. <laughs> and specifically, we're talking about unclean bodily discharges, <laughs> <laughs> um, which covers uh, lots of different things. Um, according to the scholarly notes in my Bible, it covers diarrhea and urethral discharge. Um, but what I was most interested in was this law that when a man lies with a woman and there is an emission of semen, mm -hmm. both must bathe with water and are unclean till evening. Right. How are you going to be like, the greatest blessing is to have a million descendants, but then say that sex is unclean and you have to bathe and you're like unholy until nightfall. Ah, but here is where they clearly make the distinction that sexual discharges are not sinful, but they do cause contamination. So you don't have to you don't have to give a sin offering when you have sex. Yeah, but contamination seems pretty harsh <laughs> for like the basic human mechanism that's going to give you the greatest blessing of all, which is multiple descendants. True. So they, they do establish, you know, that you're supposed to be, be fruitful and multiply, but you're also going to have to spend a lot of time getting ritually clean. Yes, that's true. You are just going to be having pool parties next to the mikvah. Uh, uh, then we move on to uh, the Day of Atonement, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Yom Kippur, a.k.a. Sabbath of Sabbaths. <laughs> That's his DJ name. Um, and it gives basically the instructions about how to... Thinking about a rapper named Young Kipper now. Young Kipper. Um, it gives the instructions about how to, like, celebrate Yom Kippur correctly. And, um, you know, that's why if you have any Jewish friends today, you'll notice that on Yom Kippur they go to temple and, you know, high priest sacrifices a bull and a mm -hmm. ram and mm -hmm. then they... They send another goat out into the wild to be a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. um, Azazel. All, all according to uh, biblical law. That's right. Uh, then, then we get to Leviticus 17, blood laws. And I am I don't mean laws about people you're related to. I'm talking about that sweet red juice in your veins, vampire's favorite snack, <laughs> literal blood. And... Despite the early portions of Leviticus, which involved just splashing blood everywhere. That's right. Left taking, and right. Taking animal blood and and putting it on your fingers and your earlobes and pouring it on the altar. Yeah, toss it around like you're Jackson Pollock. Despite that, actually, you um, are not allowed to eat blood. Okay. Well, we already established that back in the food section, didn't we? Uh, I don't know. We did. Did we? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well... You still can't eat it, and you can't eat any animals that you find already dead, and you can't uh, spill blood in a sacrifice outside the tabernacle. That's right. Uh, then we're going to get into the sex laws. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start us off with some sex laws? Sure. Um, I want to defy the logic of these sex laws. Is that a Beck reference? It is a Beck reference. Oh. People out there are loving it. Trust me. <laughs> They're going wild. The basic sex law is like no incest, and it takes hundreds of words to tell you all of the different combinations of incest that are not allowed. That's true. Well, they have different punishments. True. Some have the death penalty, mm -hmm. and some just have exile. Right. Um, they're all addressed toward men also. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like a man can't sleep with another man. Mm -hmm. 
Otherwise, they should both be put to death. Right. And that's uh, the Bible verse that a lot of Christians will point to today to justify their homophobia, um, which is kind of funny if you look at all the other laws we've been talking <laughs> about because uh, they should have to follow those too. Yeah. For example, if somebody is ritually unclean and they spit on you, you are also ritually unclean. That's true. So you got to sort that out. Watch out for spitters. Also, like, you should be <laughs> compulsively bathing after every time you have sex. <laughs> and, you know, after you have kids, you're ritually unclean for 40 to 80 days. Yeah, and I hope you have a good line on, like, handsome bulls. Because, like, modern life is so full of sin. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to rack up a big bull bill. It's just going to be a constant stream. Of unblemished bulls. Of unblemished firstborn male bulls. Mm-hmm. Also, you can't wear uh, clothes with two fabrics in them. Yeah, a lot of things you can't do. So one of the things that it also mentions in that section after it describes all of the different types of incest that you can't do, it says, don't sacrifice your kids to Molech, who is a Canaanite god. Who has not been mentioned before in the Bible up to this point. And I'm like, if they feel like they had to name this other god that they're not supposed to do anything about, it means that, that Molech was probably a real problem, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple things. There's a couple laws in Leviticus mm-hmm. where I'm like, did this really need to be a law? <laughs> if it's in, if it's on the books, it, it, it needs it, to be a law. It means they had a problem with mm-hmm. it, right? Um, my favorite is don't put stumbling blocks in front of blind people. Right. Like, okay, apparently they had a problem with that. <laughs> don't mock the deaf. Don't right? mock the deaf. Yeah. So, yeah, and now we're in the section of all the thou shalt nots. Where yeah, it's so, like, yeah, all, all of the stuff we mentioned plus... No do- sex with... Close relatives. Right. Um, I like, do not dishonor your father by having sex with your mother. How objectified do women have to be that, like, your father's honor is the problem with you having sex with your own mother? (laughs) (laughs) Very. Um, I think very is the answer. (laughs) Um, It also includes the phrase, do not profit from the blood of neighbors, which that's another rule where I'm like, does that really need to be written down? Apparently so. That's fucked up. Apparently so. My another favorite of mine in this section is in one breath. It tells you how to repay the owner of a slave that you rape. And then in the next breath, in the, like the literally the next sentence is how to start an orchard. <laughs> like the right way to Those start. Like a, more or less the same thing. Start a fruit orchard. You can't marry two sisters, even though that's what Jacob did. He did. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of these rules that I guess are not retroactive because they've already been broken. Yeah. We can't have sex with your stepmom. Right. <clears throat> Reuben. That's true. And somebody was married to their half-sister, but I can't remember who it was. Abraham. Abraham was married to his half-sister. It was one of the excuses he gave when he was called out. Oh, so you think he was lying? Well, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Show me the birth certificate. Yeah. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Mm -hmm. Leviticus is pro-forelock, anti-foreskin. Ooh. Um, When an alien lives with you in your land, treat him as native-born. That's right. If you're anti-gay marriage, you have to be pro-immigration. That's true. And then we also have love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. which, um, I mean, that's like a really early instance of that. That's thousands of years ago. And that's going to be the basis for Christianity and the basis for a lot of world religions. So True, but in comparison to how much ink is spilled over which members of your family not to have sex with, it's kind (laughs) of like... Also, like... The multiple paragraphs about, like, what to do if you have mildew in your house, <laughs> which might involve tearing down your entire house. <laughs> hey, fair enough, man. Some of that some of that advice seems pretty practical to me. 
Be like, hey, clean it all, move out for a week. Anyway, I could talk about mildew all day. But <laughs> I know your your thing about mildew. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it on my mildew podcast. <laughs> What's your mildew podcast called? It's uh, it's called the Golden Moldies. The Golden Moldies. That's great. I was going to say Spore Wars. <laughs> God. Go home. <laughs> the next section tells us not to have ugly priests. Wait, it does? <laughs> Where does it say that? It's like the people of Aaron's line, Aaron and his sons, as the Bible says, who are the like priest class, um, they can't have blemishes. Harsh. So, And they can't be hunchbacks. They can't be dwarves. Oh, they yeah, can't yeah, be this. Yeah, they can't right. be that. And in fact, they're not even allowed, priests aren't even allowed to go near those people. Right. Because those people are unclean. Right. Those, and in the book it says, like, if they have any of those problems, they're still part of the priest class and they can still eat the leftovers from the offerings, but they can't go up to the tabernacle and do all the priest stuff. They can't even, like, go to, yeah, they can't go inside the tabernacle. Right. Um, priests also can't touch dead bodies. Um, oh, that's, and that's why during the section where those two idiot kids got burnt up, uh, Moses had to t- go tell his kids to drag their corpses away out of town and yeah. burn them on the ash pile. <laughs> um, and I want you to just put a little asterisk next to this. Okay. Because it's going to come back way later in the Bible in like six months. Okay. Asterisk applied. Leviticus 26 has... Some... I, I labeled this section the carrot and the stick. Yes. This is rewards and punishments and, and they um, kind of parallel each other, so... The punishments are so much better written than the than the rewards. That's true. You can really tell where the author's interest was. <laughs> so, like, rewards are good crops, military victory, mm-hmm. and or just peace. Tons of kids, as always. Uh, tons of kids and uh, no savage beasts in the land. Punishments? Oh, all the punishments happen. It says, like, this punishment will happen seven times over. Right. So you can only get rewarded once, but you can get punished seven times. So the punishments start with just the reverse of what the rewards were. So like famine and, you know. Military losses. Military losses, wild beasts eating your family and your kids. And then it gets real mean. Yep. And very poetical, I thought. I agree. Um, he's, he says, he, in this case, he being Moses. God. <laughs> or God, Moses speaking for God. <laughs> says, I will break your proud glory. I will make your sky like iron and your earth like copper. Beautiful. Um, you can, you'll always be hungry, but you'll never starve to death. Oof. Um, oh, you'll eat your own children. That's a good one. Yeah, There'll be so happen. much famine that you'll have to cannibalize your children. I will heap your carcasses on the carcasses of your idols. I will abhor you. Yeah. You know, standard stuff that he's just proven. He's just proven he's still got it. You know, he's like, don't think I'm going soft. <laughs> but, but if you repent, then, quote, when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant. I uh, really like the poetic device of an uncircumcised heart. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> God is so focused on circumcision. Mm-hmm. He sees dicks everywhere. Yeah. It's just like, you're putting up a barrier between me and you, and it's a metaphorical foreskin on your heart. <laughs> And you got to just slice that off, pull it right up, skin the kitty. (laughs) Is that the name of your religious advice book? The foreskin of your heart? The uncircumcised heart, yes. The uncircumcised heart. Beautiful. (laughs) Best-selling author, Lauren O'Neill. Yep. Um, 
and then let's see, we finish up with... Uh, a pretty blasé dis- and utilitarian description of the value of human life. Yes, and of course, um, men are worth twice as many shekels oh, the of ratio silver. Is, the ratio is actually three to five. Three to five. Between women and men. Great. Three-fifths compromise. <laughs> Although this isn't a compromise. This is the law this of God. This is the law. You're right. So I'm sitting here. We just talked about so many of these strange rules in Leviticus. We're listening to our neighbors serenade us with electric guitar music. At least it's not Hotel California At this time. it's not <laughs> Los Eagles. Um and I'm thinking that the note at the beginning of this chapter in my Bible about Leviticus being un- inaccessible and confusing is basically dead on. You know, I thought you might think that, which is why I dug into my files. You have files? Yes, I have files. <laughs> As I mentioned at the top of the show, I used to teach Sunday school to kids for four years when I was in high school. And so I went back to those little records and I found this VHS, which I think might help you out with some of these rules. It helped me? Yes, you. Oh, should I pop it in? Please do. Okay, uh, I'm going to pop it in, and let's roll this clip, I guess. Let's roll it. Eleazar and Abihu. A study in contrast. A Christcorp production. It can be hard to know the right thing to do at home, at school, in church. The solution to this problem, like the solution to every other problem, can be found in the Bible. Where, you ask? In the book of Leviticus, of course. Let me introduce you to two young men named Eleazar and Abihu. Eleazar is well-groomed, polite, and seems to just get it. As for Abihu, well, you'll see. See what you can learn from the examples of these two young Levites. Eleazar leaves fallen grapes in his vineyards for the poor to eat. A bee who holds back a hired man's wages overnight. Eleazar wears robes of pure linen or pure goat hair, never both. A bee who interbreeds different types of animals. His mule herd is an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Eleazar observes God's laws about clean and unclean food. A bee who is constantly devouring the half-eaten owls and lizards he wrestles away from jackals in the desert. Eleazar and his wife compulsively bathe after sex and acknowledge themselves as ritually unclean until nightfall. A bee who has sex with his neighbor's wife and her mother while they're on their periods. Eleazar is granted a bountiful harvest and safety from savage beasts. Abihu, his neighbor's wife, and his neighbor's wife's mother are burned to death in righteous flame. Who would you rather be like? That's right, Eleazar. Now you're thinking biblically. Remember, kids, follow the example of Eleazar. 
Stay active in your church, report possible communists, and watch out for that nasty molech. Eleazar and Abihu, a study in contrast. This has been a Christ Court production. Well, that didn't answer any of my questions. I also did not know that we had a VCR. There you go. Uh, so let's wrap this episode up by um, I wanted to ask you if there's any laws in Leviticus that you think we should still have today. Well, I, as you know, am an expert on mildew. That's that's true. Golden Moldies, check it out on iTunes, <laughs> rate and subscribe. So I'm going to go with those rules. I mean... Although California has more stringent rules about mold in houses and how it should be uh, dealt with and how it should be inspected and everything, that's not true of every state in the union. And we just need a a flat national standard. I'm going to go out and say it. If you have mildew that won't go away, you got to tear down your house and ritually purify it. That'd be a start. Be a start. That'd be a start. For me, um, I think that... It should still be illegal to sacrifice your kids to Molech. Um, what about the GD First Amendment, baby? You know, I, I'm i not necessarily for the death penalty, but if anything deserves the death penalty, I think it's sacrificing your children to Molech. And um, I think we should bring that one back. Not afraid to express unpopular opinions. That's the kind of hard-hitting stuff you only get here on the Sunday School <laughs> Dropouts. Sunday School Dropouts. Podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, Well, thank you very much for listening. I think you're forgetting something. What am I forgetting? Uh, We have to rate this book. You have to rate my book. We do have to rate rate this book. So, what kind of rating would you give it? Um, I think I would give it three out of six uh, bloody right earlobes. Oh no. Um. I don't like how harsh some of these laws are. Uh I certainly don't like that men are consistently portrayed as being worth twice as much as women. Well, three to five, again, as we established. Um, But we do get a lot of just like common sense, good, good advice. Like, don't eat roadkill carcasses (laughs) of lizards. Mm -hmm. And if you do, wash your hands. And just like, yeah, just fucking wash your hands. Do your laundry, you know. Um, and so I, you know, I respect that. Okay. I would give it four out of 11 great lizards, according to their kind. Four out of 11? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, for, for pretty much the same reasons that you do. Um, a lot of these laws seem really harsh. This is also the book of the Bible that seems like a lot of hateful bullshit from nowadays is based on scripturally. So got to deduct points That's for that. Point. That's a good point. Uh, positives for the book include some strange stories like those two kids getting eaten by god's fire basically to prove a point that could have easily been illustrated in a speech like Look, they every lit other their incense wrong <laughs> are you just gonna let that slide they were asking for it yeah um also i enjoyed the speech about punishments i thought that was some of the nicer writing like so far actually i thought it was really uh really evocative like you said you can really tell where all of the work went into yep. <laughs> and it's into imagining uncircumcised hearts <laughs> right ways that you can punish a people right 
All right. Well, that about wraps it up for the Leviticus episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Mm-hmm. If you want to find out more about the podcast, including ways that you can subscribe, if you just happen upon this randomly, or other ways that you can talk to us, the best place to figure all that out is at our website, sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's sundayschooldropouts.lol. You can find us on Facebook. We are Sunday School Dropouts. We're on Twitter at at sunschooldrop. I want to say thank you, as always, to Elise Carlton for our art and for our logo. They're so good. I'm so excited about them. Toi magnifique. Uh, thank you, Nico, for the music. You're welcome, as always. Uh, rate and subscribe on iTunes if you like us. That'll help other people find us. And otherwise, we will see you next week. See you on Sunday. Love you. Bye.